1: Madam Vice President. You want
2: to hang out with us and get your vaccine, vaccine. vaccine. And so I went to human resources. There's some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast.
3: A woman's problem, if you will.
2: Hello,
0: I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales.
3: Brian Russell Smith.
0: And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics morning, fam. What's what's the vibe today?
4: I mean, the news vibe. <laughs> I would say the vibes are low. The vibes, vibes are low. <laughs> the vibes and are not good.
3: It's like it it won't. It's it's the years start coming. They don't stop coming. That's how it feels mm-hmm. like with 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 the news. You know,
0: um, that is really a perfect way to put it. They have not stopped coming. It's yeah. like yeah. And it's been I don't a heavy know. news couple of weeks compared to because I feel like we Elise and I have been commiserating about slow news, but um it's picking back up in a in a way that is uh, very anxiety producing.
4: Yeah, and it also feels like I don't know that it's re- it's awakened my ancient anger about <laughs> the, the, uh-huh. the U.S.'s behavior in both Iraq and Afghanistan, and I'm like. I feel uh, transported yet again to my teenage self. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there is part of it because it is um, one of the first political issues that I ever remember becoming aware of. And so, and being Mm -hmm. against like having an opinion Mm -hmm. and being like, we should not be there even like as a young kid. So it's, there's so, there's so much frustration with just being like, wow, it's 20 years later. And literally we are leaving them exactly, if not worse than where we found them. And we just spent a bunch of money and killed a
0: bunch of people. Like, I mean, we'll get into it. I know it is quite a, it was a, it was a very abrupt end to a final chapter that has mm-hmm. been way too long for for a lot of us who sort of like came to be like activated by uh-huh. know, watching the planes go into those those towers.
3: It's the Cardi B meme. What was the reason?
0: Yes, what was
3: the reason?
0: The reason? It, and I feel like
4: it's like so funny because I feel like so many other political issues have come into my life, but that one we haven't we still haven't answered what was the years. reason cardi's mm-hmm. still yelling what was the mm-hmm. reason like <laughs> mm-hmm. we're still we still haven't you know really reckoned with any of that and we've just let it go on like i guess it's just this reminder as like a Amer- an american who's felt like detached from it that we've let this go
0: on for so long right and yeah that is just compounded how dramatic And it's just, I have no words, but how dramatic this this abrupt end is. So today we're definitely going to do some follow-ups about the ongoing news and the desperation and just reactions to it and this moment and reflecting on the past 20 years. And if you haven't yet, I really urge you to listen to yesterday's episode that Brian and I did with Moshe Manu. It's very... It's pretty evergreen on this topic. Like, if you don't get a chance to listen until this weekend, I would still recommend it. I know Mm -hmm. we do this podcast every day that sometimes they pile up, but like, I try to make them day to day things that you can catch up on. But this one is, I can absolutely promise you that he's so knowledgeable. I knew he was knowledgeable, but I didn't know we were going to get that much. So that was great. He gave a very frank and fair assessment. And then when I started watching, like, people whose job it is to be smart about this in government, they said all the same things that he was saying. So felt pretty validated, but the information we discussed with him, like I said, it will be timely today, tomorrow, and for the foreseeable future. So definitely um, check that out if you have a few minutes. Yeah. Um, Lastly, people have been asking about ways to help. I feel like in the past 24 hours, a lot more resources have come out about where to direct your energies, there is one group, it's called the um, International Women's Journalism Fund, I believe. And they basically are working to get women journalists out of Afghanistan, primarily women like Afghan women who are journalists, because that is who knows if that's Now a violation of the law, but they don't want to be there anymore. They need help getting out. So we set a 10 K fundraiser goal on Instagram this morning. We already blew past half of it. So we're definitely going to hit that. I might make it bigger, but I put it with like Ted Cruz trolling a journalist. And I was like, cause those always go viral. So I was like, let's, let's make some turn this into gold.
4: Yeah, I I think it was on NPR this morning. They were saying that, like, as of right now, the Taliban's saying, like, okay, women journalists can stay, but they have to wear like the full. I think it's called a niqab. Forgive me if I don't remember, but it's the one that covers your whole face and Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, so can they really be a journalist?
3: Yeah, exactly. Whatever. I guess they could. And they're also saying that women could work, but they would have to work in offices that were only filled with women. They would have to go to school yeah. with only women. And, like, so it's, you know, but also be fully covered, including like wearing gloves. That's to yeah. that extent is, is really crazy. Yeah.
0: So it's like what they're saying. Right. And you can't really say anything that they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, we, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about this with most yesterday, but I've seen all sorts of reports of people being pulled out of their homes. And it's really hard to get a real sense of what's going on, obviously, because the nation is now it's run by terrorists. But that group is called the International Women's Media Foundation. So, I mean, we've spent the past 20 years encouraging the people in this country to like have more liberal ideals for themselves. And they did. They went out and got skills and became teachers and, and journalists and businesswomen. And we did that. We told them to do that. So we it's I think it's hard, it's hard to overstate how much we owe to the people Um in this yeah. country. So we're going to go through that. Then we're going to chat about the California recall because early voting has begun. Drop boxes are open. So we got to absolutely move on that.
2: Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click
0: It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N U U L Y dot com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. let's start with Afghanistan so we've had these sort of general reactions so far like you said at least 9-11 left such an impression on all of us this war has defined our generation but I think I'm not alone when the pictures at the airport and what we've seen in the past couple days is it only hit until seeing that I mean I know we've seen headlines about we're leaving Afghanistan we're going to withdraw fully by the end of August but I certainly was naive about how like real and um what a conclusion that would be. So what are what are like your general feelings, Elise? It sounds like you're uh, in your feelings about it.
4: I've been definitely in my feelings about it. I mean again, it does really feel like it's bringing up a lot of past trauma that our generation has, you know, our generation fought in these wars. Our generation was like irreparably changed by Obviously 9-11, but then watching these wars unfold on TV and the the rhetoric that came around that and we're living in the world that those wars Mm -hmm. created as well. So but also we didn't make them, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, you know, yeah. I was not involved in the decision making
1: uh,
4: apparatus in the early 2000s. I was mostly involved in like reading books that were fake diaries from girls from different historical periods of time. (laughs) Uh, that was like my main concern, kind right. of up until 2001. Who I knew
0: say. we were those yeah. girls in historical period exactly. Of time? Exactly. You're the girl.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You're the girl. You're writing a diary now.
2: Well,
3: it's crazy to think that, you know, like 18 year olds, 19 year olds, some 20 year olds, you know, weren't alive and are fighting, were fighting in that war. Then they weren't even alive when it started or when 9 11 happened. And also speaking with Moshe yesterday reminded me how. We originally went in there and start, went to war with Afghanistan to try and get Al Qaeda out and find Osama bin Laden. And then they just started a war with Iraq and everything just got messed up. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I forgot how much I, George yeah. Bush got uh,
4: <laughs> you know? him and his dumb paintings. Yes. Yeah. there have just been there's been so much immediate crisis. And I do like, you know, obviously these conflicts have been on the minds of people who are from Afghanistan (laughs) the entire time but as you know just an average American girl it did feel like I felt like I had disconnected myself from Mm -hmm. these conflicts because I I don't know there's we had a psychopath who was president we like and I do feel like Something about Obama's election, like, gave us this sense that we dealt with this. Like, we were like, see, we got rid of the guy who started it. But, like, the wars stayed the same. They continued. Yeah. You know, they continued the whole time.
3: Yeah. The operation was to get Osama bin Laden, which they did. But they ended up staying there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then the the whole it's like, so what took and everyone wanted to leave. So it's like in this whole time since Obama was president and Joe Biden was vice president and then Trump wanted to leave in his administration, no one thought of the process of getting the people out. It's like, yeah, but you've always wanted to leave. Like maybe, like maybe you should have made an action plan.
4: Right. Like the past three presidents have been like, we really got to get out of there. So yeah. the fact that's the other thing that just makes me angry is that like yeah. at ver- at the very least we owed these people an orderly means of exit from this country that we, I mean, we're leaving it worse now. It's bad. The Taliban is literally in they power have again. A country.
0: Yeah.
4: We, we're leaving it worse. We couldn't even get rid of the Taliban.
3: We made them have a, like a Western, like, more western culture there was like you know women were were working and you know people more comfortable and like uh they were showing their faces there were women billboards that they had to cover but like
0: they ran for office they became publicly known
3: yeah and now it's like actually we're gonna put the people back in charge who kill people for doing that Mm -hmm. um and we're not gonna help you leave before that happens
0: yeah and i just it's crazy i mean I was just obviously when things happen, we try to locate like ourselves in them um, and like to whatever. Like Elise, think about if suddenly like the like terrorists took over this country and they disagreed with what you and I write. Like you and I have been writing years oh, of my trash God. about them, we would be stuck in our homes, petrified. And they are experiencing that on a level times a thousand. So of course they're not like, no, you guys can work. It's fine. It's like, just, just come outside, come out. What's a burka? (laughs) I've never heard of a burka.
4: Like, come on. Yeah. It's just this, like, I don't know. This is a growing frustration that I'm developing with Joseph Robinette, which is that Mm -hmm. he seems bamboozled all the time
0: by things that I feel like are not bamboozling. (laughs) Exactly. So let's talk about his reaction later. So he spoke yesterday afternoon. I had originally heard he wasn't going to speak for a few days, but people were like, sir, honey, sir, we need need to hear from you. You, Uh, Yeah, you're going to have to say something, babe. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's listen to a few moments from that yesterday.
1: After 20 long years of bloodshed, the events we're seeing now are sadly proof that no amount of military force would ever deliver a stable, united, secure Afghanistan, as known in history as the graveyard of empires. What's happening now could just as easily happen five years ago or 15 years in the future. You have to be honest. Our mission in Afghanistan has taken many missteps, made many missteps over the past two decades. I'm now the fourth American president to preside over war in afghanistan two democrats and two republicans i will not pass this responsibly on responsibility on to a fifth president i will not mislead the american people by claiming that just a little more time in afghanistan will make all the difference nor will i shrink from my share of responsibility for where we are today and how we must move forward from here
0: so as you were saying, Elise, like the general consensus has been we needed to go at some point. And, you know, a lot of people that I think their mission, their objective was to make Biden look good and give him machine. were saying Biden is just the only president that had the courage to take the political fallout. Like this was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Leaving was always going to be a catastrophe. The Taliban was always going to take over. Um, but that doesn't explain what we saw in the past couple of days, why this happened. I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming the Biden administration for not expecting them to take over in three days, but over the past, like couple of weeks and months, you know, I've been reading about this process of getting these people, their special visas. And the tone of it has frankly been like, what a lovely ending as we amble along together. Oh, you can just wait there a while. It's like actually this was always fucking this urgent. It's the Taliban. Yeah. Like this was always an SOS nine one one. So I'm not super appreciative of the like. They sort of went between because after Biden spoke, then some DOD officials came on and they were like, they went between saying. Uh, no, no, no. We we absolutely anticipated every scenario, and we could have never anticipated this scenario. Yeah. Well, what specifically so I, are you feeling ragey about?
4: That I mean, literally everything you just said really, <laughs> said really uh, bothers me. But it, number one, why doesn't the U.S. government know that the Taliban is going to take over Kabul in three days? We've been there for That's twenty years. Like, why don't they know that? They, we should at least know that. That's embarrassing after 20 years that we don't know that the Taliban is going to take the capital in three days. We don't have
0: that information. So that's that's such an important bubble. You always like pop these bubbles because it's like everybody's saying nobody knew we'll take responsibility, but nobody knew it was going to take three days. And then everybody, it's like, who could have possibly known? And then at least what? Who could have known? The military
4: that's been occupying the country for 20 years probably (laughs) should have had a clue and it reminds me it honestly weirdly it reminds me of the the issues with vaccine hesitancy and like the way Biden deals with it where it's just yeah. like how could we have known that all of these people were going to be politicized into not taking the vaccine <laughs> and it's like i that was going to be the moment we started thinking about vaccines that yeah, was going to be an like, issue
3: i can say that
4: How can you say
3: you're the you're the one who should know? Like, (laughs)
4: exactly. Like, first of all, I feel like this was always going to happen. Dealing with this vaccine hesitancy, especially under a Democratic president. So I just feel like like I feel like I get frustrated with this game that this White House tends to play where they're like, I don't know,
1: it's wild.
4: I'm out of I'm out of ideas, and it's like, what are you like? I don't know. All of this election stuff is passing, and we don't really,
0: yeah. And they tend to react pass voting rights. They yeah. tend to react pretty well, like with the evictions, with um, with you know, when the Delta thing gets out of, they they will say it's like they they've tried to back up the CDC, but also be frank about like what was missed. So they always get credit for being really reactive, but it's like, yeah, dude. Obviously, I mean, Biden strikes me as a president who like gets a lot of external advice and still chooses the path. Like uh, most of these presidents that wanted to leave, as Moshe was telling us yesterday, or like the military advisors were always like, no, we can't. No, we can't because their job, they knew this was going to happen and their job is also to like protect it. So Biden's just the first one in decades who has been like, all right, fine, we'll do it.
4: Yeah. And I think he's right. Like, I don't disagree with the choice of getting out. Like I, someone had to do it. We, there was no way to do it correctly because we never should have been involved in any of that in the fucking first place. Um, Maybe I I God, Lord knows. I mean, I'm not a military strategist, but we obviously needed to get out. It's just like, there's things where it's like, they don't have visas ready for people. They don't know the airport's going to be overrun. Like these are things that the military should know.
3: It's also it's just like like what the fuck is it with, like all the red tape. It's like yeah, I don't understand like who you are the ones who makes the decisions to put all the red tape there in the first place, sir, administration and state department and whoever manages the visas. So it's like why not just like wave it a little bit, you know, like and figure out figure out the figure out the paperwork when you get the after you get them out first. You know what I mean? Right?
4: It's if, like <laughs> oh damn, we got to file. We can't. I'm so sorry we can't get you out of Afghanistan cause we have to file a piece of paper at an office in Langley. Mm-hmm. And then someone has to put a stamp on that piece of paper. And it's like, no, 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 no,
0: no, no. Yeah. We're bring them all. Yeah. When Biden reacted yesterday to this precise thing, which is why wasn't this process? I mean, there's so many different processes. There's people that need to be evacuated and that refers to like a- Americans generally and um, people that work at the embassy, there's people with the special immigration visas, and then there's the huge category, which we're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna, what kind of country we're gonna be, is the massive amounts of refugees. But reacting to specifically why evacuations didn't happen sooner in those visas, Biden made a few claims. He said, number one, that the Afghan government asked them not to pursue evacuations too quickly because that would just suggest there was something weird going on. Like they're getting out, the Americans are leaving, the Taliban knows that's a good time to go. So I can be somewhat appreciative that there might have been a strategic reason. But he also said that some eligible evacuees originally wanted to wait it out and just wait to see how long it took the Taliban, which makes me think about, like, America has this, this strange, like, we're really attached to this notion, and we do this with immigration from everywhere, especially Latin America, that people want to stay there. It's like, no, surely we can just improve this country enough that people will want will want to stay. And it's like, no, you know how these people live. They're desperate. They're going to die if they stay. They yeah, don't want to stay. Stop saying. A plane,
4: yeah, yeah, stop saying and we the can go and fix it. Off, They don't want to stay. They don't want to stay. Those they want to be gone yeah. from there, actually, because they're literally like, I'm going to hold on to a fucking plane.
0: Right. Their option is to be like beheaded, basically, some of them. So this... Obviously, that's not the case from people coming from everywhere. But the U.S. likes to have this idea that's like people just want to stay home. And if we can just make their homes better, which usually it was us that fucked up their homes in the first place. It's like, no, we're past that, boo. Like we're past that. The Taliban took over their whole country. They run the country now. They don't even know like how to get government services right now. They don't want to yeah. stay. Yeah.
4: And it's our fault. And it's our fault. Like, it's not just also a random happening that it's like, oh man, it sucks that that's happening in Afghanistan. It's like our fucking fault. Sure, yeah. There's like a lot. There's gonna be a lot
0: of comparisons to how public sentiment reacted to like when there were a lot of Syrian refugees, refugees, and I'll say that again because I said refugees. (laughs) Uh, And I think this will eventually prompt a lot of conversation. It already is comparing it to like the Syrian refugee crisis when. American popular sentiment was not really in favor of it but so there are some concerns about that but this brings us to the broader question about resettlement we know there are tens of thousands of afghans eligible and waiting for these special immigrant visas because they helped the government i mean that's 20 years like we were trying to nation build we failed but anybody who helped like think of how many people translated for them and helped mm-hmm. fix for them over 20 years that is so many people. That's just mm-hmm. an inconceivable amount of people that right. are at I mean, risk if the Taliban decides that they want retribution. Like the
4: U.S. was employing so many people in that country. Like when you have an occupying force, the it's hard not to work for or with them in mm-hmm. some it's like
3: the contractors who were who were paid the private contractors were paid to build the buildings that the u.s used to the contractors who they then hired it's like and their families and it just like it so it's you know so many people that that they could potentially say we're working for the enemy and be in, in danger it's and honestly like any repressed group including women should be able to apply for visa i know it's so many people but not but it's just it's
0: i did see an interesting tweet that made me think a lot yesterday um about how like afghan like what about afghan men um like everyone's like minority groups women children lgbt individuals like we have to get them all out but it's like you know that there is Behind all of that is this like unacknowledged racism that like they are threatening, like they are more likely to be Taliban. And yeah, we, mm. so I, I've been trying to reframe how I sort of look at things, um, look at things there. But yeah, we spent 20 years, like you said, urging people, making people think we were always going to be there and that the Taliban wasn't going to take over, that they could live at this pl- as they please. Obviously not. So maybe the degree that people in more western places do the nation has 38 million people, a lot of them now at risk. So the question now is America lost this war we created refugees basically out of Afghan I mean these people are their state yeah So what responsibility do we have to them? I think we have to accept
4: everyone who wants to come here yeah. Mm-hmm
3: we have a very large country. We you do. Know?
0: We have, that's the thing. We got plenty of room. We got room. I
3: always think that I always think that like, if you've ever driven through like any country in the Midwest or like, or any state in the middle, any country in the Midwest, any state in the Midwest, you just see like, look at all this. I'm like, look at all this land.
0: I've read estimates that this country could accommodate a billion people. Like for sure. They and do it like, in other
3: countries that are smaller than ours.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Fox News is going to obviously they're already doing the you can't just let all of these unbedded people in. Um, I think just we all have a hard time understanding when things are really bad and dramatic. People are like no you should only do that if things are really out of hand. People are clinging to the planes. Do the yep. paperwork later. Things yeah. are out of hand. What are you mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And I think that, we like, have a moral
4: responsibility, in my opinion, to take on the risk of potentially letting in a nefarious character to save these people who we put in this situation. That's my personal feeling. And like that sucks. I don't want to, I don't want to let in a nefarious character either. But mm-hmm. we run that risk all
0: the time. And we did this. Like if yeah. we didn't want to do that, we could have made it a better place. I don't know. Well, that's not true. We couldn't have made it a better place to say, but it's like. I remember thinking, you know, in middle school when we were doing this Forbes, like, well, if what we're there for is to, like, make it a better country for everybody, why aren't we in, like, a third of the countries on Earth? Mm -hmm. Like, the devastating thing to accept about this is, like, it's so strange because you don't want to say, like, we never should have gone there because... I've seen both sides. I've seen a lot of people be like, well, the fact that people have so much to lose is proof that we did make a difference, but I've also seen, you know, watch out for like pinkwashing this war that did kill tons of Afghan civilians. So many people, so many people were refugees before we even left. So it's like, it's such a strange feeling. I think that's what we're talking about. And it's, we know people that, that sir, that were service members. And of course they're like, it, Oh, it makes me so upset to think that they would feel that the reaction to this is that people think this war was for nothing. It's like to keep people much safer than they would have been for 20 years isn't nothing. But I don't know. Yeah. The ending, it's like, it's hard to justify.
4: Yeah. It's hard to like, I don't know. It feels kind of cruel to like (laughs) come in you have to live in constant danger, but we're also going to improve your lives in these other pre- really tangible ways. But if we can't keep it together and when we're done, we're just going to leave. It just, it does feel kind of cruel. And it's, yeah. yeah, but I mean, this whole, the whole thing has been such a, like this was, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, we always saw that this was how it's going to end, I feel like. Like, I feel like since I was like a little punk rock kid in D.C. Yeah. being like, George Bush, George Bush! Ah! like, we could see that this is where it was going. So to see it actually happen is sad. And to see uh, the U.S. government, which is responsible, be so unprepared is
0: sad. Yeah, Absolutely. our other story today is the California recall election. I have heard you all telling us how important this is. I know I have tried to save some of our content for when people can actually do something so that they can act immediately, which is now absentee ballots were sent out yesterday. You should be getting that soon. If you live in California, if you don't within the next couple of weeks, you should probably check on that, but things are going, your drop boxes are open. So here's what's happening here. Democratic California governor Gavin Newsom is at risk of being replaced. Republicans unhappy with Newsom basically collected enough signatures to trigger a recall election. It was, they needed about one and a half million. They got a bit more with that dissatisfaction with Newsom's handling of the pandemic helped get them there, obviously that French laundry situation was not helpful. And um, also they got an extension to get the signatures. A lot of thinking things were working against Newsom here, including a little bit himself. So somebody who really does not want you to vote in this recall election if you live in California is Mitch McConnell. Governors have the right to replace U.S. senators who die or retire or if there's just any sudden vacancy. And the Senate's oldest member right now is Democrat Dianne Feinstein from California. She is 88 years old, and this is very sensitive, but there have been reports that her health is wavering. Her future ability to serve is not something that everybody is 100% confident about. So So not only could she pass away tragically, but she could also come to a point where she decides she's not able to serve or doesn't want to anymore. If people don't vote in the recall election, and a Republican becomes governor, then something happens to Dianne Feinstein or the other senator, Alex Padilla, that governor could point a Republican to the U.S. Senate. We have a razor-thin majority in the Senate, so this would flip the power of the Senate. And Mitch McConnell would again become majority leader, at least until Democrats try to take back the majority in 2022. And gets rid of the filibuster immediately.
4: Like, you oh know God, that he would stop. just get rid of it day
0: one. It <laughs> oh, he would get rid of it immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, Day God. one. You guys are going to have to take it from here. I'm upset. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> terrible. He so we would, lose, he would. lose our Senate majority, lose the ability to pass legislation with 51 votes, which is what the rest of Biden's agenda hinges on, this reconciliation bill. Also, uh, we we got some old guys on the court. They dropped dead. We're not getting a justice. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we could, we would try to stretch it out oh, like gosh. like they did, but I mean, they would they would love for us to be hypocritical about that. So there's a lot at stake nationally, just in terms of the Senate. There's a lot at stake anyway. California is a hugely important state. to the United States economy, a ton of people who rely on a lot of resources, a lot is at stake. And like, this is not, this is gonna be close because of the way that this recall is set up. This is, people aren't fear-mongering, like, just in case, please get out there. There are a lot of reasons why this is going to be really close. One of them is that um, Newsom's campaign, I think we mentioned this on the podcast, they missed the deadline to file as a Democrat, so he will not be listed as a Democrat. What What the fuck?
4: (laughs) I'm sorry. I did not know that yeah that's outrageous. <gasps> yeah. that's what? outrageous. I do not want him to lose at all, and I very much hope and knock on what every day that he doesn't. but that is <laughs> egg on his face, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, at least <laughs> I know And it was the same <laughs> oh judge, God. the same judge that let the um, Republicans have a little bit longer to to get the signatures also wouldn't let the Newsom campaign go back and add this. Yeah. It's just something that like fell through the cracks. So he has been feeling way more confident that he needs to. I mean, this thing is in within a couple points because this, people don't think turnout is going to be great. So the way that this like works is that you're going to get a ballot. It's going to have two questions. First question says, should Governor Gavin Newsom be recalled? The second one says who should replace him. So Newsom and the California Democratic Party, they're advising voters to leave the second question blank. This is like a strategic messaging thing, because I guess they had a situation in like 2003 where it was unclear and um, people just messed it up and they did not get the outcome they wanted. It's a very simple message. There's not as much potential for confusion or mix ups. So you can make, but if you want to answer the second question, you can't you can make a selection for an alternative if you'd like, and it will only count if Newsom is recalled. So basically these questions are like judged independently. Um, it's not like if you answer yes, then who do you want? If you are a California Democrat and you decide that you want to do the research and pick what out of, I think it's like 40 other people would be best if Newsom is recalled, then do that. But The California Democrats have decided that it is better just to say they feel good about their chances as long as they say, leave that blank. They feel like the benefit from having a simple message outweighs any potential um, drawback for not being clear. So if you're going to have two questions, the most important thing is to vote no on the first one. So when you're talking to other people about this, I feel like the the slogan just needs to be vote no on question one. So like we said, if more than 50 percent of voters answer yes to recalling Newsom, then the person with the most votes to the second question becomes the governor. This obviously means the new governor is going to have to earn far fewer votes than the recalled governor ever did. That's how Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger became California governor in 2003. But mm-hmm. this time it's so extreme. The Associated Press found that a Republican could unsee Gavin Newsom with just 25% of voters supporting him. So and it completely undemocratically elected governor could through yes. a tr- some tragic fate series of events. Uh, add to the undemocratic Senate.
4: Yeah, it's um, it's disturbing because also like the options are bad. That And like you, you said, know, there's 40 people. So it's like among them, Caitlyn Jenner, among them, Caitlyn oh, Jenner. Right. And like yes. all these other similarly, you know, terrible individuals. And California, we we do not need California to be run by a psycho right now. That is not going to be helpful. Like right now, (laughs) that is not going to be helpful. You know, Gavin Newsom, there's a lot to say about him, but at least he believes in like coronavirus restrictions and Mm. doing like and like public health messaging. At least he believes in climate change. Like we could Mm. end up with someone who like yeah, the fires on it. fire yeah. and like yeah. doesn't believe like thinks it's about raking leaves or whatever trump said mm-hmm. right
3: i mean it's also because california is so huge that there's so many different pockets of it where it, it people think california liberal but it's there really is a lot of republicans in california
0: i think it's 25 percent which that's a lot of people like that sounds like yeah. a small proportion but it's a lot of people and republicans are historically more motivated for elections like this
3: Especially if they think that they can get out someone that they don't like and get in a Republican. Like yeah. that would motivate me if it was the other way around, you know? Totally. Um, so that's just a little, little frightening. We have to get, we just got to make sure everyone goes and votes. It's
4: super yeah, California important. listeners vote. No, on question. Yeah, vote one. No on
0: question one. Cause Mitch McConnell would really love for you to forget to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he yeah, gets empowered power again. That would be catastrophic. No, it would it'd be very upsetting. <laughs> I would I, I would put in my two weeks notice on that day. So yeah,
4: the, it's just like, I can't, I actually me. can't take I, this on. Again. It would
3: just be the smugness for me, you know, the smugness to that would come face. from that moment yes. of like of his, of his, uh, of his ugly face. Of you No know one, like he is not an attractive man, but when he's smug, he, it's just like, yeah. I want to punch it.
0: I know one of the best you things know? about him not being majority leader is like, we just don't have to see him that much.
3: Yeah, the smugness.
0: That's, yeah, really not saying much. So vote no, question one. We'll be back tomorrow. Until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales.
3: I'm Brian Russell Smith.
0: And this is the Bench Sub Podcast. Bye.